Welcome to The Shift, the podcast that empowers you to make a change in your life and chase your dreams with passion and purpose. If you are tired of feeling stuck in a life that doesn't fulfill you, if you have big dreams and ambitions but struggle to turn them into reality, if you want to break free from self-doubt and limited beliefs, Join us every week to listen to inspiring stories from regular people just like you, actionable insights, and the motivation you need to make the shift towards your own dreams. And please don't forget to share, subscribe, and leave us a review to help spread the message and inspire others. Hey shifters, thank you for tuning in today. I think you'll enjoy today's episode with a good buddy of mine. Chris Morin. I gave Chris a nickname, Cyberman, <laughs> and you'll know why in a few minutes. You know, Chris juggles multiple things in his life by still being a W2 employee, consulting Fortune 500 companies, owning multiple businesses, running marathons, you know, raising capital for real estate deals, teaching others on how to raise capital, and a lot more. Today, we're going to dive into his story about how he keeps being saint by juggling so many thinks in and how he actually keeps his work and life balance. Chris, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Eugene. Really happy to be here. It's funny when I hear you say all that, I realize now why I drink so much coffee. I think that's <laughs> the uh, that's the key to all of it. All right. Well I guess our show is done. There you go, guys. <laughs> drink more coffee. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well but hey man, I really appreciate your being here. Thank you so much for coming in. I think let's just start from the beginning. Tell us how you got where you got, where you got. What's your story? Yeah. So it's funny if I trace it all the way back to the origins. I think a lot of people sometimes are surprised to find out that, uh, yeah, I started to get the itch actually when I was in college. I was studying, so I got an, a biochemistry undergrad degree and I was right, went right into a five-year master's program to be a high school teacher. So I was actually teaching high school science and I just had this growing desire to like learn and figure out real estate. Why to this day, I have no idea. I never saw like a movie infomercial, read a book or anything. I just knew real estate created more millionaires than any other business model in the world. So I guess put that aside, right? So I'm, I'm a teacher. I came one of the better education programs in the country. So I'm thinking I'm set. I'm going to I'm going to command my own salary. I'm going to get a job where I want. I'm off to the races. I'm living the American dream, right? Reality set in pretty quickly when I realized I couldn't afford anything. I came in a few ranks higher because of the program that I was on. So, but I'm still only making like 36,000 a year. I could barely afford to live. I was full of college debt and I was, I felt like a real sucker. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was told to live the American dream and it just, <laughs> it was no dream of mine, right? So I guess fast forward a little bit. I didn't waste any time after my first year I left. I had to, I just decided I was going to go figure it out. And along the way, I started exploring careers in business. And I had read about this career known as consulting. And there's a couple of big companies out there who hire you and they give you the very best business education. And I thought my 22 year old brain at the time was telling me, Chris, I'm going to get a job as a consultant. I'm going to learn how to run a company and I'm going to go build my own. So that's actually kind of the blueprint that I followed. People kept saying, you're crazy. You're just a teacher. They only hire Ivy Leaguers. You don't even have a business degree. I never take no for an answer, right? So 
Fast forward barely a year later, I was a consultant. I was blowing through the ranks at a big firm known as Accenture. And I decided at that moment, it was also the height of the Great Recession. Really just by coincidence, I decided now's the time. Now I'm jumping into real estate. Bought a few courses like most people do, racked up some credit card debt and slowly figured it out. But I'm happy to go into the details of that journey. But man, it was a wild one from flipping houses to multiple markets around the US, right? Because I was a traveling business consultant. So every time I would travel for a new project, I'd build a team, raise some capital and start doing more business. At one point along the way, I started a Ferrari wholesale dealership before transitioning into multifamily. So a lot has transpired over the last 12 or 13 years. But today I am, as you mentioned, still a W2 employee. So I'm an executive, I'm a director for a Fortune 150 company a $4 billion line of business here in Connecticut. I run two real estate companies, uh, one focused on residential, small student housing, multifamily here in the Northeast, and another one buying apartment complexes in the Midwest. Yeah, and as you said, I, I'm a big fitness junkie, and I love to run marathons in between. Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's incredible, man. So many things that you're juggling at the, any point of time, at a specific point of time, how do you keep uh, your focus on yeah. all of those things? I think, it's yeah. damn, I think it's pretty damn hard. Like how you do it? It's extremely hard. I think first and foremost, being really critically clear on what your goals are. And I'm not just talking about five, 10 goals. Like what is the most important one or two goals that you have for yourself and your business? Right. So it's more manageable and then really get clear on like, what do I want to accomplish in the next 30 days? Some people map out one year, two year, three year plans. I'm just want to focus on 30 days at a time. What do I need mm -hmm. to do to move myself closer to that goal or actually achieve it? And then right over the next week, when I wake up on Monday, like, what am I doing? Who am I delegating to? Like, what exactly am I doing to move it closer? I think we all hear that, right? Document your goals, document your plan. <laughs> And it's for a reason. It's that critically important. And for me, I'm kind of a scatterbrain, right? So if I don't wake up on a Monday and have a really clear plan that I've already laid out for myself, I'll swirl a little bit. I'll feel like I've got a million priorities. I'll feel overwhelmed. It's natural. It's human, right? So that's a really good way to anchor back on. This is my one big priority. This is exactly what I need to do. And then as far as balancing it, holding myself to it, sharing those goals with, with your loved ones, your family, those stakeholders in your life, I think is really important. Letting them know, hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, and this is how it could potentially impact you in terms of reduced time or that TV show we used to watch together at night, right? Getting mm -hmm. them on board is really important because you need the family support along the way. You just get drained, you get mentally, psychologically drained, and that can turn you off, right? So I think just, again, having goals, having clear plans, having the right people in the know and, and supporting you, all of that is really important and keeping it balanced and, and staying on track. And then I guess the other thing I'll say is, right, like, and I'll probably talk about this later, it's so important to as quickly as you can build a team. And we could talk about that because I think people get that in theory, but like, how do you really do that? Because then you can, you don't have to do it all at once, but you can hold others accountable for what they need to do and they can hold you accountable. And that's just a huge, huge part of it too. Amazing. I think uh, there are some really gold nuggets there that in everything that you, that you just mentioned. I'm taking notes along the way and hey, shifters, I encourage you to take notes as well. 
because this is going to be gold. Just to summarize what Chris, just, what Chris said, I think it's super important to know your plans and your goals. Looking at first 30 days and all of these things that you're doing, and I think it's a great metric to look at. Probably depends on what you guys do, but if you're like Chris, I think going with a similar path that Chris went through, I think it's going to be good because Chris is massively successful. So document your goals, document your plans, look at the 30 day metrics at metric as a, your potential sort of revenue driver, right? Could be like super important if you like Chris. Chris, let me go back for a second. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned that <laughs> you opened up a Ferrari dealership. <laughs> so I want to go back to that. Like, what's the story behind it? How did you come up with this? Yeah. Idea? So let, I should call that a, a wholesale business more than a dealership. So I'll give you the short version. So when you're in, this is like a two pronged story here for the listeners. When you're out there taking action, massive action, people notice you, right? Even if they don't step out of the woodwork for, at first and talk to you, they're, they're following you. And there was an older retired millionaire real estate investor gentleman who always had this dream of selling exotic cars. And he sort of made himself available to me one day at, at an event. He said, hey, Chris, I've been following you for a while. Let's talk. I'd love to have lunch. And I was like, sure. And I thought he was going to talk about how we can continue, continue to grow real estate together. But he told me about this dream and there was no specific call to action. I kind of left wondering like, why did he really, I think he wants my help, but he wasn't real clear in, in asking me that. So I started digging in and specifically he wanted to sell Ferraris. Now to get licenses and to get inventory, you've got to get in touch with certain dealers like over on, on the homeland over in Italy. And I'm going to... Mm -hmm. I'll summarize it for you. It takes years. It's a process that takes years and a lot of approvals to set up a new dealership. So what I did was I went and found the two or three best used car dealerships around my, within a 30 minute distance of me who get a, 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 just a ton of drive-by traffic, have a very visible open lot. So when you drive by, you see it, you see their inventory. It's just a great place to put a car. I walked into each of them and I said, Hey, I'm going to increase your foot traffic by 20 or 30% a month. I'm going to increase your sales by at least 10% a month. Will you hear me out? A bunch of them are like, what are you talking about? What's your plan? I said, I'm going to put Ferraris on your lot. And they were like, oh, that's interesting. I'm really interested. How's that going to work? I said, I want to use your line of credit at auctions and back it with your insurance policy because you're already, you're already affiliated with, with the auctions, right? So any car dealer essentially can go to an auction, buy a car, their insurance, everything is, it's covers those acquisitions. I said, I want to use your line of credit, buy the cars, put them on your lot and use your sales team. I'll front all of the investor dollars to buy the cars at auction. And I'll give you a slice of every deal that we sell. And I got somebody to buy into it. And literally within 30 days, I was buying Ferraris at auction and selling them to high-end buyers in New York City and California. So essentially I started a Ferrari wholesale dealership in 30 days or less. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking notes. I mean, this is gold. This is amazing. Congrats. Thank and you. How is that doing right now? Oh, yes. So here's the thing, right? And this is perhaps, this is another lesson for the listeners. That only lasted a couple of months, probably, well, I'd say the almost a year. 
And I, I actually decided to leave. That was a partnership I didn't want to be a part of. The more I got to know those two gentlemen, they were, uh, let's just say they were cutting corners and, and trying to hide cash and do some things that basically are illegal, right? They're trying to avoid paying taxes and sure, we all hate to pay taxes, but they were doing some things I just didn't want to be affiliated with. And so I don't think you should ever do anything that would question your values or your morals just to, to make a buck. And I probably walked away from a multi-million dollar business, but I, I had to walk away. I was too young, didn't want to be affiliated with something like that early on. So I actually walked away because the partners were just unethical. Yeah. And it's, I think you're bringing up a very good point. If your values don't align with your partner's values, I think it's better to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate, but I think it sounds like it was a great lesson. It was a great lesson. Just another, another chapter that it put behind me, but it also reinforced, I can really do anything I put my mind to. Right. And that, that transcends everything else. So there was a lot of good that came out of that. That's awesome. Congrats on that. So one of the questions that I want to go back to is you mentioned that you know, building team is super, super important. How would you suggest people would do that if they just start? I think it's simple. And it really, to me, this is how I would approach it. You first have to get really clear on what your goals are. Do you want to make a thousand dollars a month passively, five thousand, ten thousand? Do you want to flip houses? Like, ultimately, what do you want, right? What are you trying to achieve, and what is the role you see yourself playing in that business? And be really honest with yourself about what your skills are and what you don't like. Because let's be real, we can't all do it all. We don't love to do it all. And then chart your path forward. Like, this is what I think my plan is to get there. I would take those goals and that plan and that understanding of myself and I would start attending meetup events, right? Industry events and networking with other folks and kind of interviewing them and looking for those people who they don't already have a team and through conversation, they really seem to have it together. They seem disciplined. They seem like if they say they're going to do something, they'll remain committed to you. But there's so many people that I've had partners come and go over the years because they just didn't want to carry their weight. They just, they wanted to ride my coattails, but that's a part of the mm -hmm. process, but you're essentially interviewing them and you're looking for the right individual who feels like the right fit. When you get to know them and you talk to them about your plan and they share theirs, if you find that you're very aligned in terms of where you're going, philosophically, you believe like, this is what makes a good deal. This, that's what makes a bad deal. I never take risks on these types of areas or these types of deals, right? You kind of start talking through everything that maybe an investor would be interested in. When you find that you're philosophically aligned, they seem like just personally, they're a good fit. Ask them, Hey, this is what I want to do. It seems like you have a complementary skill set. For example, you like underwriting and I like raising capital. Why don't we try working together? We don't have to get married. We don't have to form a business, right? But like, let's just go do a deal together. And if it works great, then like, let's do more. But if it doesn't, we at least got a deal under our belt and we can part ways. Right. And so it's really that simple. Just but you first have to get clear with yourself and then you got to get out there and network. You can't do it behind a keyboard. You and I met through social media, right? But it takes real authentic conversations, really getting to know each other to, to get to those conclusions. And I'll tell you, my current company buying apartment complexes, Three Peaks Capital out of Indiana, that is exactly how I built that team. And actually one of the individuals found me and connected me with some other folks who he thought could be good partners and 
again, we found that we were very philosophically aligned. We had complementary skill sets and we said, we're all in the same position here. We're, we get involved in other people's deals. We raise capital, right? We do their underwriting, but at the end of the day, they get the deal, they get the investors and it's back to the drawing board for us. Since we all seem to be in the same place, like let's do this together. And in less than 30 days, we're buying apartment complexes. So you just, you just got to take the time to get clear on yourself, like I said, and get out there and network. Incredible. And just for all the listeners and view, viewers, to let you guys, we are talking about right now multifamily real estate. Yeah. Team building. But I think it could translate to any industry. That's right. To what, to, to what Chris was just saying, right? I think whatever industry you're in, guys, whatever you decide to do, I think what Chris just mentioned, networking and connection with people is a, like probably the pri a priority. Like if you want to build a team, you need to go out there, right? There is nothing for you at home. So you need to be out there. You need to be connecting with people and networking with people, Find, finding out what people like and what don't like, what they don't like, right? Yes, Chris, so that's incredible. One thing you mentioned that I think I really liked was the fact that you need to be true and honest to yourself. This is, I think this requires go like look, I think it, it requires look very deep into, into yourself. Right. And it really does. Yeah. And so I know some people may think that they know themselves, but they don't. Some people think that they, they know who, and some people, they know who they are, but they keep lying, keep, keep lying to themselves about it. Right. Like what's, what would you recommend? What would be your one tip to this type of people? Like who really want to know who they are, but they keep lying to themselves or. I find that when people aren't being honest with themselves, like they know, they know that they aren't. They're just avoiding getting out there and taking action because maybe here's a really common answer, right? People are, they've got this obsession with real estate. They want to build wealth. They know real estate is, is the medium to do that. It's the barrier to entry is just so low. Literally anybody can do it. So they all mm -hmm. know that and they respect it and they dive in. And then they realize, I think a lot of folks realize like, this isn't for me. The active side of the business isn't for me. I never really wanted to sign up for all that work. I want the wealth, right? We all want the wealth, but I didn't want to sign up for getting rejected all the time by investors or sellers and doing all that hard work because that's hard work. Maybe they don't truly have an aspiration to build a business, but they want to build wealth. And so I think you're, it's okay to admit that, but if you find yourself at that crossroad and you're like, yeah, I want to build wealth from real estate, but I don't want to do the work. There's an opportunity to do that too. And I think that's where folks need to stop and realize like, it's okay. And there's an opportunity. They can be a limited partner, right? They could be a passive investor. So for all the folks who are listening to this, if, if that's resonating with you, you can come to folks like Eugene or myself, right? 
I have a team. We do the work. We we have the very best brokers in the country f- f- giving us deals. We know how to analyze them. We know how to negotiate them. So we're stepping in and buying at the right price. We know how to handle the strategy. We know how to do all the work and, and take all the risk. You can come in as an equity partner, right? You can invest through us. You can become a partner in the deal by helping to front some of the capital. And it doesn't have to be a huge sum of money, but that is your gateway into real estate. So we're essentially doing all the work. All you're doing is playing investor. You're kind of being the bank, right? But that's your opportunity to get into these deals and enjoy the cash flow and enjoy the equity. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that dynamic. So you've got to decide, I think, early on, do I want to be active in this business? Do I truly want to be behind the steering wheel and do all the work? Or would I rather be passive? In which case, come talk to me. Come talk to Eugene. Learn more about what that would really look like and how that process works. I think you'd be really happy to find that both of them can lead you to the same outcome. Yeah, I think it's well said. Well said. Chris is doing so many things in real estate. I would probably... Con- I'm considering Chris <laughs> my mentor in this type of industry because he started early on. He built teams. He is already doing businesses in multiple states. And I'm kind of looking up to him. So that's a appreciate uh, that's it. My, that's my compliment <laughs> to you, my buddy. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, but yeah, like Chris just mentioned, if you guys want to get into real estate, talk to Chris, talk to me. We'll get you in your first deal. That's right. Chris, Chris, what's, um, it seems like you're taking, you said you are taking no for an answer. And this is a great attitude to have. But have you ever had any limited beliefs before you started yeah. diving into real estate or opening businesses up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think the the big one that stands out for me, and I think it'll, a lot of people can relate, is like, I don't have any experience. Is somebody really going to lend me their hard-earned money right, to go buy a property? And are they going to truly feel comfortable that I have the expertise to to make a good purchase decision and manage the property appropriately so that their money's never really at risk. I mean, there's just a lot of risk there with a newbie, right? And so I had this limiting belief that people are just going to focus on that and not want to lend to me. And it couldn't have been further from the truth, right? I obviously went out and raised money very quickly and, and started buying a lot of houses in the beginning. When I was more, I was flipping houses mostly in the beginning, but those transactions in that day, they were cash only. So these are foreclosed properties. They're severely neglected. Banks don't lend mortgages on those. So instead of going out and putting 25% down and getting a mortgage, I had to raise the full 100% of the acquisition price. Now, granted, houses out here at that time, you only needed maybe 125K to purchase it and do the rehab. Raising 125,000 as a 26-year-old, when you have zero experience, that's, that can be like trying to raise 2 million today. So again, what, I guess what I'll say is if you share that limiting belief, you have to reframe your thinking to think like most people know real estate creates more millionaires than any other business model in the world today. Right. And so when you bring it up, you'll find that everybody has this secret little fantasy about owning real estate. And so when you say to them, this is what I'm doing. 
and you present an opportunity to them, remember that's an opportunity they never would have had if you didn't bring it to them. Outside of their 401k, which who knows how that's performing, right? This is an opportunity they'd only dreamed of. So they are very open to having that conversation. And if you can sit there and tell them how you've educated yourself and you've surrounded yourself with the right mentors and distract them from the fact that you don't have experience and focus on the fact that you've surrounded yourself with people who potentially have millions of dollars in assets under management and no decision you make is made without them seeing it first, suddenly they're very comfortable with you as the person that they're lending to. And they see you as a savvy and strategic thinker, right? And so it's your mindset shift is in that way is able to lead to a shift in their mindset and suddenly they're comfortable lending to you. So that's, that's what I would say about that. That's awesome. And I'm curious, how did you raise your first, I don't know, 50,000 or 100,000 or 125,000? I'm going to use the word luck a little bit because I think sometimes there's a little bit of that, right? I don't deny it, but what's that saying? Like luck happens when preparation meets chance, right? So like you got to be prepared. So I would often, I'm going to lead up to the answer. I would often traveling and as a consultant, look in my hotel room windows, windows, mirrors at night or my rear view mirror in my car as I'm driving. And I would practice as if I was explaining how it all works to somebody as if they'd ask me a question. So how do I get paid, right? Well, you talk to them about their, the interest that they earn on their money and how it, it's secured by a promissory note and blah, blah, blah. I basically went through these conversations in my head. So I was prepared for any time when that would really come up. But you only get one shot to make an impression. At first, I was calling everybody I knew, friends and family and asking for referrals. And I was getting some good leads on some people who might have an interest. But one day I was standing in line at a Starbucks and two guys in front of me, you would never know it. They looked like very average normal human beings dressed very normal were so remember this is the height of the recession so it's 2009 and we're like at the pits mm -hmm. and they were making comments about how some investments or stocks they had were like just they were just like were virtually gone and i made some joke behind them like you should have invested in real estate and they kind of chuckled and i had some witty reply and they thought it was funny some young kid look at him he's motivated maybe they liked it right well, I get my coffee and I sit down near them and they just end up chatting with me. And lo and behold, one of those gentlemen was the CEO of a very large company here in Connecticut. I'm not going to name it just so he can keep his anonymity, but his personal net worth was more than a hundred million. And he decided after that day that he was going to invest with me. And he was willing to do, after our first deal, he was willing to put a million dollars a month on the street. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was really, but... So a little bit of luck, right? But if I wasn't prepared, never would have happened. If I didn't dare to speak up, never would have happened. So I think for the folks on the phone, don't fear rejection. So what? Just go after it. Tell everybody. I think that's the tip, right? Tell everybody what you're doing because you never know who is interested or who you're talking to. And that has played out true in my life so many times over. You've got to tell everybody what you're doing and just don't have the fear that they're going to think low of you or they're going to make fun of you. Cause like that never really happens. Right. And I only bring that up because I know that's where people's head goes. Like they're going to make fun of me or what if I get rejected or what if they see me fail? So what, right? What if you succeed? Right. Yeah. What if you succeed? So, yeah. I think it's important to know like who is laughing in the end. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> great. That story is, is something. I like what you said.
luck happens when preparation meets chance. That's right. That, that's a brilliant quote. Love it. Love it. What's driving you, man? What 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 is your biggest why? Like, why are you doing this? What is it all for? It's funny. I think some people be like freedom, freedom of time, freedom of this. That's all nice. I think that's like that's something I aspire for. Eventually, I'm a workaholic. I think even if I had free time, I just find another way to work. I have just this obsession with creating wealth, creating businesses, proving to myself I can do these things. I think in to steal the words of Gary Vaynerchuk, God bless his soul, he's a crazy guy. You got to love the process. I, I love the process. If you don't, you'll burn out. And that's kind of what he always says. But I have this obsession with building wealth. And so I just continue to chase it. Every time you reach the next step in real estate, you just get hungrier and hungrier and you want the next one. Eventually I'll stop. But so I do have this aspiration of creating an ecosystem around me, right? Passive income equity. So eventually I could step away and just live my life on my terms, live the lifestyle that I want. But I've also got enough where like all my loved ones can do that too. Right. And so I think that's really what drives me. And then also the fear of knowing that I think I'm a little bit of an anxious person. I always kind of worry about like the next bad thing that could happen. So that also drives me to keep going and start investing in different asset classes and different markets, right? Because recessions pop up every decade or so and certain geographical areas or certain business sectors are impacted more than others. And so depending on the exposure that I have in those markets, I could feel that pain more or less. And so I like to be hedged and spread out. So it's a little bit of being driven by that the desire to be successful, but then also that desire to protect and preserve my investor wealth. And I have always said in my marketing materials, right? Our company mission, our number one objective is to preserve and protect and grow our investors capital. Right. And so in order to be, in order to successfully do that, I need to have the right hedging strategies. I always need to be moving forward. I always need to be thinking strategically like a CEO and my investors are all the better for it. That's what drives love me. It. Love it. Love it, man. That's awesome. You gotta love the process. <laughs> I like yeah. you said. That's uh, that's not always fun. So if you don't love it, then it's you're gonna yeah. give up. Yeah, love it. And I'm gonna write it down. You gotta love the process. <laughs> One of the things you mentioned that you have to have in all of the things that you want to do, you have to have support of your loved ones and, and family. How did you bring that support in your family? Like, how did, like, what did you say to your wife? Like, yeah. How did the conversation go? Because I think lots of people want to do that, but they don't know, like, yeah. they may not know where to start. Well, I think it's just like, Hey, Again, I think it's, it comes down to you, the willingness to be vulnerable. I think we, some people shy away from saying it even to their loved ones because like they don't want to fail, especially in the, in front of the people that they try to be strong. Like if you're a male, like you've got to, God forbid, like you look weak or vulnerable in front of your wife and family, right? That's just not how it's supposed to be. But I think you've got to be really clear about here's what I'd like to do. Here's what the benefit is going to be to us, but then get really clear on, but here's what that's going to take. And it's not just a sacrifice from me in terms of some investment and money and time. Like it's going to take sacrifice from you because I'm not always going to be there to help you. You might have to put the daughter to bed a few extra nights per week. So we're actually going to be in this together. 
but here's what's in it for you. We could put a timeline on it, whatever, but just talking it through so they understand how they're impacted, setting their expectations in advance allows you to avoid so much confrontation and frustration later on and you're both committed to the same path. And I got to tell you, I think so many people, especially men, they're just like in their own bubble, in their own path, like setting their goal and they're off marching to it. And maybe they talk about it a little bit, but they don't ever talk to their wife or their loved ones about like, here's how it's really going to impact you and the sacrifice you're going to make along the way. And then you find like there's this tension in the household or you're fighting or your kids don't understand why you're not playing with them anymore on a Wednesday night, right? Like, but once it's all clear and everybody understands why things are the way they are, they're more supportive. Uh, there's less tension in the air and it's much more, it's just a better environment. It's so important to make sure that everybody's aligned on what you're trying to do. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Guys, don't be shy to have conversations and yeah. don't, don't be shy to get vulnerable. Like Chris just mentioned, I think it's part of the process. Yep. Right. Part of the process. And you're proud. And I can see how it can actually reduce lots of confrontations and yeah. fights in the household. Yep. So I think it's a great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm writing that down as well. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so many great things. I think I would want to invite you to another episode to talk more about different things. Yeah. Because I think the, the time that we have probably is not enough. But one, a few things that I wanted to ask you is one of the things like, was there any educational resource that you can share with our listeners that gave you a, a lag sort of in a, opening a business, running a business or getting into real estate? Yeah. And could, could you share, could you share this with us? Yeah. So I'll tell you this, it was multiple. I think the advantage the listeners have over me is that sources like bigger pockets, they were just kind of emerging back then, not as broad, not as in depth, not as useful. And there's just so many more social groups out there now, right? So you, you have plenty of opportunity to immerse yourself. But for me, I invested in a couple of different programs. I wasn't shy about it, knowing that not all programs are created equal, but I'll tell you this, if you get just if a program's 5,000 bucks, you're probably going to get multiple ideas that each will make you 5,000 bucks if you implement it. So that's on you, right? Taking action is 100% in your control. That's on you. If you learn one thing, and I always say too, well, I didn't learn anything new in terms of making money, but if I learn one thing that avoids, helps me avoid a risk that costs me 10 grand, it's paid for itself, right? So don't be afraid to invest in programs. I know your question was about one specifically, but the programs I invested in don't really exist anymore, to be honest with you. And I did invest in fortune billers early on, and there was some good in that. And then there was, to me, there was some not so useful things, but again, I was willing to invest and, and I think you have to be willing to do that. But these days you've got bigger pockets and all these sources where you can just learn a lot about a lot of different strategies. The most important guidance I would give you though, is to go find a, a mentor. And actually before, even before that, right? Remember, get crystal clear on your personal goals. What is it you're trying to achieve? why and by when, because you can read about all these strategies that seem great, but they may be just a distraction. They may be not exactly what you need based on your goals and your timeline, right? So it's really important to get clear on that stuff first and then sit with a mentor. Sit with me, sit with Eugene, go to a local meetup, talk to somebody who's living 
the way that you want to live and then ask them for feedback on your plan. Is that the right strategy? Are you taking the right path? And then I think that's just so critically important. So when you think about the resources, you can't replace a mentor with any keyboard or any website or any social group. So get out and find one or pay for one and bring them your goals. Allow them to coach you through what the best path forward would be to get there. That's incredible. I think it's a great tip. For once is because you are talking to people who have already done what you want to do, right? Yep. And it's a, and second, it's like, a, it's a faster path to success. That's right. It's right. Instead of just going and figuring everything out on your own. Yep. And I think I can see where the problem may be in this type of scenario. Like lots of people, lots of people want to be there, but I think one thing that could stop them is the price point for that mentor, right? Yeah. yeah. What would you suggest? Uh, well, there's people. There's plenty of local mentors, right? Like imagine you were in Connecticut, you could bump into me. I'd be willing to help you. But here's how you get the attention of those people, right? You can't just go up to somebody and be like, hey, will you mentor me? That'll turn, I'll tell you, that'll turn me off right away. If you came to me with everything that I've already stated, you had your goals clearly mapped out. You even charted a path and a strategy for how you think you get there. It could be totally wrong, but you made an effort. You're not looking for a free handout, right? You're showing that you're making a real effort to move yourself forward. I'm going to be willing to sit down and give you feedback on that. And naturally you're getting mentorship, right? And through that conversation, I probably will say, feel free to follow up. Keep me posted. And the more action you take and follow up with me and prove to me you're taking the action, you're fulfilling the guidance that I've given to you, I'm realizing my time's not being wasted on you. I'm probably going to invest more time in you, right? So again, get clear on, on your goals, chart out a path, a plan that you think is, is best fit, even if it's not, and then find somebody who'll give you feedback. And I think very naturally you're going to find a mentor without having to pay for one, right? And so you, you find those people by going to your local real estate investor association meetings and other types of investor meetups. That's fabulous. That's a great advice. I think this is where the difference is between people who really want to be there where they want to be, right? And people who just thinking like, hey, I want to be there, but I don't want to do anything, right? Right. They're, they're, they're in love there. with the fantasy. Yeah, but they don't want to do what it takes. Yep. <laughs> so guys, don't be in love with the fantasy. <laughs> Build a plan. Build a plan and... Don't be afraid to show that plan to people who have already been there. So I think you may find surprising that lots of people, and I've been actually finding finding this surprising myself when I started this. I'm going through through this. Like lots of people just want to give back without mm -hmm. anything, without taking anything for it, right? And don't be afraid to show your plan. I mean, That's you may right. be surprised. You may be surprised. Yep. Chris, that was awesome. The question that I had for you was like, how do you manage your work and life balance? Like so many things to juggle. You have a family that you need to spend time with. Businesses that you need to concentrate in. What is your, is there a secret to it? Yeah. What's well, your think secret? That, I think the theme of today is probably just be clear in your goals, right? Know like 
what are the one or two things that absolutely have to get done that are going to get me closer to money or closing on a property that maybe is under due diligence, whatever my goal is at that point in time for that 30 days, having a plan, but then drawing boundaries and, and sticking to it, right? There are times that are protected for the family and I'm going to honor that. It's a good time to unplug, which is also good for me and my mental sanity, right? So I want to when I come back to my work, I'm that much more effective. I can do more in less time. So I think setting boundaries, time, time blocking for family, for hobbies, right? I make sure that I go running and then, you know, focusing on building a team and holding them accountable to do their part because you can't do it all, right? So team, time boxing, getting clear on your goals and, and respecting all of those boundaries, I think is just really important. And then of course, yeah, I will say it does require additional sacrifice. As I get up at 3.45 in the morning every single day because nothing could ever happen that early in the morning that could possibly distract me from doing some of the things that I need to do. So I go for a run six to eight miles. Then I go to the gym and work out, right? And then I'm still in the office working by 7 a.m. on a normal day. So I'm not saying people have to get up at 3 a.m., but it will take some additional sacrifice on top of that. But how bad do you want it? It really comes down to how bad you want it. That's awesome. I think this is also a great tip. How bad do you want it? I mean, that's a great question, right? How bad do you want it? Yeah. So that's, I think you guys have to ask yourself that question too. Right. So if you want it, if you really want it, you will find time, right? That's right. If there, I think there is also a saying, if there is a will, there is a way, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Last question, Chris. Last question. Before we go to our final round, where people can get to know a little bit better. What is your biggest goal? Like, what is your biggest goal and what is your next milestone that you would like to hit? I would say my biggest goal right now, so our mantra in the office is 2,500 units by 2025. So that's where we're marching towards and that's how we're architecting our strategies because that's where we know we have to get to. We obviously have to make those moves calculated and, and buy, I always say buy slow and buy right because we do have investors capital that we need to protect and preserve and grow or that's our, our mission, right? But 2,500 units by 2025. I think another goal of mine, I think you may have seen some of my posts, I'm expanding into student housing here in the Northeast. So that's more of a near-term thing that I'm trying to acquire my first couple of small multifamily properties around some um, small colleges here in the Northeast. They're very high cash flow, right? So it's different than the upside that you would get from some of the apartment complexes, but it's a, it's a great hedge. It's a great addition to the portfolio. It provides very high cash yields. There's super high demand. There's uh, each, there's three colleges within 10 minutes of my house. Each of them is short thousands of units for their students. So there's lots of opportunity to, to go and buy buildings there and rent them by the bed. So I can take a, a three or a four family home and I can turn it into a 12 unit apartment basically, right? And so the economics there are just tremendous. Wow, incredible. It does seem like a, it's a good hedge, even though it's a, probably it's like a separate conversation about yeah, the yeah. session itself. But I did hear that during the recession, probably one of the assets that could be hurt is the student housing asset. Like, what is your few sentences probably on that? Yeah, so I actually don't think that that's true. So 
during COVID, that certainly was a, an issue, but that was a 100 year event. Student housing hadn't really ever been impacted like that before. And mm -hmm. the markets that I'm, remember everything I do is strategic and has a purpose. It's not just because it happens to be close to where I live. The opportunity is that these are small New England towns. These are colleges where they're nestled in neighborhoods of single family homes. There's no space to build more housing. And these neighborhoods aren't going to allow apartment buildings to be built because they're nice residential neighborhoods. So there's a very real need for housing for these students. The populations for these schools is growing, but there are not being, there are no more units being introduced. So mm -hmm. it just creates a huge, huge opportunity because the demand is so high. Again, to take a, a three family home, for example, that might have nine bedrooms in there and turn it into basically a nine unit apartment because you can rent by the bed. Instead of getting 800 per unit, I can get 700 per bed. The numbers are just tremendous. And again, the demand is there to support it. And I think the strategy is sound. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Would love to pick your brain offline about that. <laughs> Let's go to our final round. I know like, we're limited on time a little bit. I would love to have you on the show again to talk more about things. But I would love also our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So I prepped a few questions just, just to get to know you. When you were at the elementary and middle school, what did the younger version of you look like? <laughs> well, it didn't have a beard, I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. My mom used to, like, we didn't have much growing up, so she would go to, like, thrift stores and just buy whatever she could. So I feel like I looked like a kid in Honey... I shrunk the kids or something like I, I was, the clothes were like three times bigger than me, but I was a very quiet and studious kid. I was super into my books. My parents had sort of taught me early on, like, you got to do good in school. You got to focus on your athletics and be the best that you can be. So I was, if I wasn't studying something in school, I was practicing basketball or football or something, but I was a, I was a shy, quiet kid. Shy, quiet kid. Yeah. I can't really tell right now. This is true. <laughs> uh, what is your go-to Halloween costume? Jason. I mean, that guy just embodies Halloween, right? He's freaky and it's easy to dress up. You really just have to put a hockey mask on, maybe throw a little fake blood on it and you're good to go. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Mr. Cyborg Jason. Crease. <laughs> <laughs> What was uh, one of the questions you always wanted to be asked by someone who interviewed you in the past, but never did? What's your favorite beer? What is it? <laughs> or her favorite <laughs> style? New England IPA. It's, and I have uh, to say that because it's like kind of out there, right? Like who would ever talk about beer on a real estate podcast? But I, I like craft beer and right. it's big here in Connecticut. So I'm always waiting for somebody to ask me like, hey, I see craft beer is big in Connecticut. Like, what do you like? There you go. <laughs> nice. So, hey, guys, now how to get attention from priests, right? You have to yeah. buy me beer. That's right. Free meeting, crowd. free tips. <laughs> crowd. It's a crowd beer IPA, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, one of the last questions. If in 100 years science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about Chris Morin? 
Oh man, it's probably something along the lines of go-getter and giver. I think it would really just be about how I faced a lot of adversity, right? There's a lot of things we didn't talk about, a lot of hardship that we didn't talk about, but I never gave up, right? I was a teacher once and I was told right to my face, like I wasn't going to be able to do these other things and I just never stopped believing otherwise. And I always just, you mentioned it earlier, like a lot of us who are sort of in a place where others want to be, we want to give back and I give back all the time. I love getting on the phone with people and talking to them, reviewing their plans, giving them feedback. I want to see people succeed. I want to help them get over their, their limiting beliefs. So I think, I think that um, I do a great job of, of living out that value. And I think a lot of people appreciate it. And, and it's something that I want to continue to do. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Chris, that was incredible. I really, really love having you on the show. I think there are so many golden bombs dropped today that right. our listeners and listeners and viewers can take into consideration and start implementing it. So thank you so much. If people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Yeah, I, maybe I can uh, give you my Facebook link. You can share it when you post this. But yeah, Facebook's a great way to, f to find me. And of course, follow me, follow my lead, see how I talk to people online, right? Like borrow shamelessly, just success leaves clues. So do a lot of what I do and then don't be afraid to message me and ask questions. I'm, I'm very responsive. And then of course, if you ever want to learn how you can potentially invest with me or my company, either in the student housing opportunities or the multifamily space, really happy to talk to that. Again, you could just message me on Facebook or LinkedIn and we can have that conversation. Awesome. We're definitely going to post a few links in our show notes so you guys can connect with Chris offline. And again, don't be shy. If you have a plan, probably, Chris, like if people have a plan and they want to present it to you, does it have to be a real estate plan or it could be any industry? That's a great question. It could be, I think it could be any industry. Can't say that I have all the answers, but I can certainly give the best feedback that I can and, and point them in the right direction. Awesome. There you go, guys. There you have it. Chris, it was fantastic having you again. Thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure, Eugene. Thanks for the invite. Take care, bud. All right. Talk soon. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to take action towards building the life you've always wanted. Don't forget to leave us a review, share, and subscribe to our podcast for more empowering stories, actionable insights, and motivation to help you make the shift towards your own dreams. Thanks again for listening to The Shift.